Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year the Star Trek First Contact movie premiered, and that incorporates villains called the Borg that are cybernetic and try to assimilate you into their hive mind. Okay. One, Mm -hmm. I see it. Mm -hmm. Two, I feel like we have come across, this is at least our third or fourth Star Trek reference during this (laughs) season. (laughs) And they're Andrew, not is this something you want to tell us? <laughs> I I don't know. I just know the Kelvin timeline is a thing. Um, I saw Chris Pine. That's that's Star Trek knowledge. Oh, Khan. I know Khan. Khan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trekkies out there, please don't come after us. Or if you do, please just share your knowledge in a respectful way. I guess. <laughs> but yes, as we are talking about all this sort of mind manipulation and. <laughs> I had to don't seek that Teen Titans go yeah, reference yeah. behind. <laughs> oh no, now I know it. <laughs> it works. <laughs> but yes, with all of this talking about alien and fusing technology, um, it is time to cover the last two episodes of Young Justice season one. Before we jump into the next season of Young Justice, we have to get through some of the big questions on the show. Like is Captain Marvel still a member of the Justice League? Are the, is the team like a credible team now? Who's the mole? And most importantly, who speaks better Spanish, Batman or Lex Luthor? <laughs> <laughs> we will find out today in our season finale two-parter episode here. Uh, we are going to be doing the last two episodes, episodes 25 through 26. That is the episode Usual Suspects and Old Acquaintance. And this is taking place uh, over the span of two days. This is probably the quickest like wrap up I've ever seen about any kind of like mission or anything, any way, shape or form in the Young Justice storytelling. Um, and because of the fact of the big reveal that we're going to finally find out who in Sam Hill is the mole on the team. I had to go with a classic phrase for this one for our episode title. A Mount Justice out of a molehill. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing back Mount Justice. I love it. Yes. Full circle. (laughs) All right. So now it's time for the cast list. Um, Y'all already know the full cast. If you don't know, I feel like this is a good point to stop right here. Check back the old episodes. Now come back for the finale here. Uh, But our two cast members that felt like deserve to have some light shown on them are two new members. As we have the iconic Candyman, Candyman, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> Tony Todd, who is voicing Icon in our uh, two-part episode here today. 
Fun fact, I, I for another job, I was looking up clips of Icon, and thank God Tony Todd had these lines because I had nothing else to go off of. <laughs> that is true. So thank you, Tony Todd. You, you've done the great service to the Black community by striking fear into our hearts and also giving us a beacon of hope with Icon. <laughs> And finally, we have another cast member who is another new member of the team this time around. We have Rocket, who is voiced by Callie Bianca Troy, better known as the voice actress performing under the stage name Kitty Kaboom. Okay. Yeah. And her list of credentials includes Trixie from American Dragon, Jake Long. And this might be, at first I thought this was a fever dream of mine, but apparently this is real. Um, For those millennials who grew up on BET back in the day between I think it was between 1999 to 2003 we had a show where a completely computer generated host shared music videos with us Kitty Kaboom is the voice of Sita from Sita's world (laughs) oh oh, that's a deep cut yeah now we're showing our age Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes yes to further show it for those who don't know, back in the day, MTV and BET actually played music videos. It wasn't all scripted shows or unscripted reality shows. Not the and... Teen Mom cinematic universe. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, we had Sita's World, who it was like a lot like Toonami for um for, for music videos. So I personally, I'm kind of glad to see the return of probably one of our Black Forgotten Entertainment legends. <laughs> All right. Well, um, now that I leave, we leave you with that kind of knowledge. It is time to jump in. It's time for us to punch in the buttons. We are recognized by the Zeta tube because it is time to head on over to the beginning of Usual Suspects. So right off the bat, we get a follow up to a plot point established in an episode. We need new Justice League members. And luckily we have some and we get the end. The news that we have Plastic Man, we have Icon, the Atom, who is in small form and can't hold his own membership card. Just they did be it, bigger. They did, they did it for the bit. You know, no matter how small it is, they had to do it for the bit. I, I guess. Um, and along with these new members, we find out Shazam is still in. So that prompts the the team to comment. Thank God they kept a 10 year old on the league and he's still eligible rocket who is icons sidekick is now joining the team although she's a little frustrated that she's not up there she is happy to be hanging around aqualad shout out to black love shout out to black excellence um but we have one more pointy addition to the justice league yes and that new member is red arrow uh so it seems that between the time of our last episode and now, Red Arrow immediately jumped into the Justice League, which is a very happy moment for the OG members of the team or the OG sidekicks because they recognize that, you know, it, there is hope for them in a way. You know, this is a calling back to our very first episode when they thought they were going to join the league, but quite wasn't like that. And this is where um, it turns into like, all right, well... This just means that we have to just keep on proving ourselves, not just to to them, but to ourselves as well. And this is when they get a call in to head over to a new mission. Yes. And I like another thing I really like about this uh, new mission is 
incorporates a lot of plot points from before. So Kid mm-hmm. Flash is still upset with Artemis about botching a previous mission. And this is because they got video footage of Cheshire caught on candid camera, that cheater's cam, you know, so he... <laughs> <laughs> this is another throwback from the early 2000s. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of shows to watch after this. So there is a... Apparently Cheshire was on a plane that crashed somewhere. So they're going to go and check it out because they need to follow her because she happened to be carrying the suitcase that... um she got away with on the other mission. So get to the site pretty quickly. And I love this. This is one of my favorite villain introductions of all time because they look at the plane and they go, where are the bodies? And Cheshire just stands on the top of a mountain and goes, "Here, well, here's one. And it is stunning. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just want to say shout out to Cheshire for saying that. Like, it that is a that's a daily affirmation for people out there. Get yourself some, some big Cheshire energy in the future for yourselves. You know? Yes. <laughs> Say that to yourself every morning. And she's not the only one with the wordplay because Riddler poses a Riddler riddle about foliage because he's there too. And Robin quickly figures out he's so annoyed with this guy already. Robin's <laughs> like, the foliage riddle, it's an ambush. <laughs> uh <laughs> Also, shout out to Dave Franco. I personally now kind of want to see Dave Franco in the new DC universe just playing Riddler. I, I think this would <laughs> it is weird casting, but right now it is my favorite casting. <laughs> this leads into an all-out battle because um they are completely once again ambushed by the entire in Justice League, the light kind of grouping is a mixed batch. We have Riddler, newcomer Shimmer, who was in the, I think she was in the Santa Prisca mission, but didn't have much to say there. Mammoth is here as well. There's a group of mercenaries with some um, apocalypse tech. And this is when they're surrounded by a force field that's holding them in. So at this point, you know, it seems like it's curtains for the team. Fortunately, we do have Rocket, um, who this evil cohort of I don't know, this cabal of villains that these have, mm. they didn't really account for her. And thankfully, she's able to help with um, breaking them out, as well as with Zatanna being able to help break them out. And this leads, once again, to this big on battle, first starting with Superboy, who, realizing that in order to take down a lot of these big, heavyset villains, he's got to use his last shield. So as a reminder, the shield is this piece of, like, nicotine patch kind of like that Lex Luthor gave to Superboy that uh, hi, that hinders his human DNA to favor his Kryptonian DNA. So at this point, Superboy goes super aggro and he is able to help take down Mammoth little by little. But by doing so, he's showing all of his Kryptonian skill set, which Robin immediately notices. Yeah, and uh, also as a side effect, they he turns into the Attack Titan because he can pretty much do <laughs> anything. And, you know, Team Titans, that's a two-for-one guess. Um, <laughs> but Robin does take notice, and Robin also reminds us that his hands are also rated E for everyone because he, was that Silver Swan or that he kicked, or is that Shimmer? Who's that? I think it was Shimmer. That was Shimmer. <laughs> Shimmer. <laughs> he didn't care. He kicked the stuffing out of her because she was part of the ambush team and gets Riddler. Riddler politely asks not to go to Arkham, which (laughs) 
if look, Batman, I got to tell you, if your villains are making requests to which facility they go to, I don't know if you're doing your job, bro. I just got to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and although the psychics turn things around and they win the day, they are and they secure a suitcase. They still don't get Cheshire. Cheshire is the one that gets away. But um, victory gets them a scold slash compliment from Batman where he lists all the bad things they did. And then immediately it goes like, good job, guys. I do love to see it because it's just like, it's been so long since like Batman. At times Batman has given them a compliment, but then here's like a moment where Batman's just like, all right, yeah, I guess this is there's nothing more you could have done. And it's a nice little callback to, um, I want to say the Santa Prisca event where, you know, not everything went exactly as planned out, but at least they came out with a dub. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty overall good showing of their talents and their cohesion at this point. But they also do realize that having the ambush here means there is a mole because how would mm-hmm. someone have how would they know who was going to show up? So they're already like, oh, God, this again. But just on cue, Superboy is gets a, a call from Lex saying, hey, I think you're out of shields, my boy. Do you want to come pick some up from your kind of weird dad? And <laughs> um, as the team asks us, asked him where he's going, he just goes, look, there's something I have to do. And we cut because Superboy has been invited to go to Santa Prisca to pull up the, she- the shields. And unfortunately, Lex brought a few fiends with him. <laughs> your friends, fiends. Um <laughs> Um, and we get a whole lot of villains uh, including Bane Queen Bee Mercy Graves uh, Troll Guy um, Troll Guy Blockbuster Blockbuster (laughs) I'm only putting I'm only going to put respect (laughs) on his name because I actually I I think he's a cool young like Teen Titans Young Justice villain but yeah you're right he is very trollish (laughs) yeah and in this version he doesn't get much shine but um, not only do the these villains show up, but we also get a couple of heroes there, too. We see that Artemis is first to arrive in the helicopter being uh, operated by her, well, as we know now, her father and her sister, Sportsmaster in Cheshire. And the other person to arrive was, was really shocking, at least to um, to Superboy or to this person's arrival herself is McGann as McGann takes the the bio ship and drops down and sees that her teammate Superboy and Artemis are also there. This is when Queen Bee kind of looks at her and says like, she's shocked. She's wondering why they're here. Queen Bee says, just keep quiet and I won't reveal your secret. And that's it. Um, And now as everybody is there, this is where Superboy is, you know, kind of like overtly saying, putting things together. He's just like, Okay, so clearly the Injustice League that was set up back at that whole plant attack, that was all just a ploy set up by y'all. Y'all are the real masterminds behind everything that's been happening. And of course, it's Luther is here. He's Luther, of course, acknowledges all of this, even introduces their new um, connection as we have Bane who shows up. Um, so this is when before Superboy could... Um, try and stop him because what happened was that Superboy shares that he is actually here just to get more shields he's fine with like bending to Luthor's will Luthor 
I guess shows that he has his own Kryptonian skill set, being able to tell when people are lying. He gives the command phrase of Red Sun to shut Superboy down. And this is where we're seeing more and more that our usual suspects, as we've seen through the entire season so far, oh. are, uh, yeah, yeah, found that out. That's the reason for the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> They're all kind of swinging over now to, to join this like evil side because of everything that's happened. And as it, at this point in the show, back when this first aired, like, um, I don't know, 2011 or so. This is where the commercial break took. So now we're thinking, crap, the three people who are the, suspect, the suspects to be the moles are now going to be on the side of evil. And this is where we flashback once we come back from our commercial break to see what's truly happening. So as it turns out, when Superboy said I had something to do, he meant coming clean. So it's revealed in the flashback that he told the team everything about the shields, where he's getting them from, why he where he's being summoned to secretly and everything. And in a real measure of growth, he does apologize for going off the deep end and getting angry. He did recognize that was happening to him. And he decides to, you know, come clean to his team. His confession immediately prompts Artemis to say, you know what? Guess what? Mm-hmm. My I I got something for you guys and reveals that um her dad is Sportsmaster, her sister is Cheshire, her mom was Huntress. Also it reveals that Sportsmaster's government name is Lawrence and I'm not gonna forget that. Um <laughs> 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 you're gonna gonna come let after him like you gonna come after him like Eminem and Eight Mile. This <laughs> man's real name is Lawrence. Look, Sportsmaster could cave my head in with a remote control, so I, I'm gonna take <laughs> the shots I can get. Uh, <laughs> um, so we get a nice cut between the present and past. So once Artemis's secret is revealed, we also see her help Superboy in the present, and then for the final trifecta, McGann in the flashback, reveals her true form. Um, And this is a really sweet scene because when McGann reveals her form, she expresses her anxieties about being seen. And Aqualad goes, McGann, do we really seem so shallow to you? Like, (laughs) for real? (laughs) From Aquaman's standpoint, he's a black man with, like, with webbed feet. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Like, it's all good. He's like, even if I wasn't Atlantean, things would be rough. So come on. Right. <laughs> um, and most importantly, though, she turns to Superboy, whose opinion she values the most. And he reveals that he is known the whole time because he when he mind melded with McGann near the beginning of the series, he saw her white Martian identity. So he was just waiting for her to be comfortable with expressing that. So it's a really good moral about relationships in general, about even mm-hmm. if you have a piece of information or feel a piece of information about your partner, wait for them, you know, sometimes to, unless it is threatening their life, of course, but yeah. um, it's good to wait for them to be into that place where they can express that and they can be honest with you. So it really was a sweet moment. There wasn't a point earlier where it would have made sense for her, for him to say it, you know, so it was also written really well. Um, I also do want to say too, about the, um, the Artemis reveal. So, there was like two points in which like Kid Flash, he, upon realizing the truth about her identity and everything, he starts putting together his own connections about, oh, this is why you did what you did. And I understand why you couldn't just easily just turn over your sister or your or your, or your dad. Like that's, that's a big step. And 
Robin even admits that, you know, as a callback to um, uh, episode earlier in the season two, that he also knew. Like, we knew that Robin knew, but by him stating that, like, he's known about Artemis's, um like, family history, it shows once again that it's just, like, this team has been just so accepting of every single person that's come in here. Like, it's not a case of you have to earn your spot, kind of a callback to, you know, when Artemis was trying to figure out, like, how can she earn her spot on the team after Roy joined back up? It's clear that everybody truly is a family they have very deep connections and the bonds within this team are never going to really break yeah this is this is a great way to lay the foundation for so much more that's going to come mm-hmm. um and I, I i do love how they chose to reveal it now just get it all over with right away yeah <laughs> um so back in the present time it also is revealed that the red sun programming has been erased from superboy's mind since he came clean about that uh thanks to megan so now it's starting out into an all-out brawl. And Lex, my goodness, my boy, not only does he casually confess to his crimes, but he also throws out some Spanish mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to respect <laughs> his boy Bane. Uh, so I got to put some respect on Luthor's name. He, he knows what he's doing. And now all the villains, now that they know what's up, we get to the, the battle. And some two quick highlights right away. Um. I love how Superboy's bike just murders people. Um, <laughs> Yo, that's my favorite part. <laughs> there's no way that bike was caring if it was fatal or not. That that bike was taking <laughs> care of business. Um, we also have a great Bane transformation. It was like a, mm-hmm. a Mighty Morphin anime sequence right here. Um, how he transformed. Um, and a third one I really want to highlight is that <laughs> that Luthor, when he's cornered, he goes, if you expected to, de- to detain me, you better contact my attorney <laughs> and gets away from Aqualad instantly. Love that. Love that energy. <laughs> so now we have big Cheshire energy and now we have big Luthor energy. <laughs> Do with that information what you must. <laughs> I also did love another thing about this fight is that the uh, the way that Robin took down Bane. Now, this is something that I was not expecting um mainly because you know just thinking back to as a personal fan of the show the batman series by Dwayne Capazzi um just there's i think what was it from season 3 or 2 or 3 where Batgirl was introduced and she had to face, face off against Bane herself and we're seeing this battle of like brain versus brawn was not expecting Robin to take down Bane this quickly and it's just a nice callback to see that no matter what universe we were in if you cut Bane's lines and give him a little shock, he's going to go night-night. Like, it's it's perfect. Yeah. I love it. It's the <laughs> the weakness that people always hesitate to go for. Right. <laughs> so then, next up, we see that Superboy is in his fight with Blockbuster or Troll Dude. And what's really cool, I got to say, this was also one of my favorite sequences. It might be very similar to a groundbreaking 2019 film but there is a scene in which Rocket, um, in an effort to try and stop anybody from getting away, flies off at full speed to go crash into a ship, a, fl- a flying vessel. Now, she gets called back by Aqualad, who tells her, you need to come back and support the rest of the team. But I just could not stop laughing at the similarities between this scene and that of Captain Marvel of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. That she endgame that shit. Yeah. Uh, 
the battle starts to wrap up. And what's nice about these last defeats of the battle is nobody tries to do it alone. They all team up to trap Sportsmaster and Blockbuster in the same kind of like mud hole and respect for putting them on the same tier because damn mm-hmm. Blockbuster. He's he's blocking Kid Flash. So Artemis knocks out her dad. Superboy knocks out Blockbuster. They get the Sportsmaster mask as a souvenir. And Aqualad, you know, basically turns to the camera and says, wow, we all did really good today. Nothing <laughs> possibly bad could ever go wrong. Wink. <laughs> then we get to the watchtower. Yes. So earlier in the show, um, we do find out a little bit about what was in that suitcase. So there's a call back to our um, our opening uh, notes about this moment in history. Uh, Batman discovers that there's this little shard where it has like bi- it's a combination of biotech, nanotech, microtech, magic tech. I, every kind of tech you <laughs> could think of, I don't even think that last one is real, uh, is thrown in. So as Batman is on the watchtower investigating this bio thing, um, Red Arrow comes up to him and says, hey, are you going to join the party? Of course, Batman does not party. Bruce Wayne does, but Batman does not. Mm-hmm. So as Roy, as Red Arrow comes up closer to Batman, we see that he has one of these like little bio things in his hand, and he takes it and presses it against Batman's neck. And we see that Batman just stops what he's doing and starts following Red Arrow to the console and starts punching into the numbers, activating the Zeta tube, and granting access to the leader of this cabal of villains who delight themselves, Vandal Savage. Again, he always makes up the best entrances because he walks mm-hmm. in like a savage. Hey! And... <laughs> <laughs> and Roy suddenly comes to out of his trance and goes, wait a minute, I was the mole the entire time? And Savage is like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I love how he said so matter-of-factly. He was just like, and, wa- and water is wet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, finally we get the ending of the mole plot line, but the start of something new with Old Acquaintance, the final mm-hmm. episode of the season. So we open up to Mount Justice once again, um, where Batman and Red uh, Tornado are talking with the team. Meanwhile, we see that Red Arrow's also running for his life because he is being chased down by the now mind-controlled Green Arrow, Flash, and Aquaman. Yes, okay. Why they send Aquaman down into the sewers? That's just disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Aquaman, you like dirty water? So Red Arrow's being chased by uh, these three heroes here. While Batman and Red Tornado are talking with the team, they share with them that Roy helped to bring Savage onto the ship and they were able to subdue Savage. However, Roy did escape. And this is where Robin is asking, how is this even possible? Like, he can't be the mole. They share that apparently Roy was kidnapped many, many, the the real Roy was kidnapped many years ago. And this Roy that they've been dealing with, the one that they grew up with, the one they've teamed up with, the one that has been fighting alongside them is actually a Cadmus clone, which is shocking to Superboy, most of all, because it's like, oh, 
I wasn't the first one, thankfully. But as they're trying to figure out the team, they're trying to figure out how can they work alongside the Justice League. This is where Batman says, well, uh, Red Arrow is a league member now. So you kids need to stand back while we take care of this league matter as he leaves uh, the, the Mount Justice with Red Tornado still hanging around. I also really quick have to put some shine on Roy's name because he got away from the Flash, mm-hmm. Aquaman and Green Arrow. So I got to give this guy respect. All right. He gets it for me for this one episode. But Red Arrow is still I'm still upset with some of this commentary he's made in the past. So after as Batman and Red Tornado go, Zatanna is sensing that something isn't quite right. Um, She's feeling something in auras about around Batman and Red Tornado aren't quite meshing. And it also doesn't help that Red Tornado suddenly shorts out without warning. Um, so this is something crazy. I did was not expecting this. They bring back the plot a plot point from one of our least favorite episodes, Secret, <laughs> about Red Tornado building a robot body. And it factors in here because they transfer Red Tornado's consciousness into the robot body. And as soon as they do so, Black Canary arrives and Red Tornado in the new body goes. Do not, yo, take her down right now. And it's almost too late because Black Canary hits with a hard sonic scream, nearly destroying the new robot. But luckily, Robin has some knockout gas. Rocket contains her in the gas. And again, now respect on Black Canary because it took two two full-powered team members to take her down. So nobody put any shade on her name. As everybody is freaking out because they're like, how did, why is Black Canary coming after us? Why, you know, what's happening with Roy? Why did Batman call us kids? Why does John Smith don't have no legs? <laughs> this is, uh, we unfortunately now have to deal with the fact that Icon, Dr. Fate, and Captain Marvel, probably the three strongest people within the entire Justice League, are knocking on Mount Justice's door. But this gives the team an opportunity to grab the super cycle and fly out as they decide to split up and try to investigate what's going on. So the team, um, we have some members of the team go off to see if they could find Roy while the other members of the team are just trying to escape. Yeah, and this is a great, I I do love this uh, split thing too. So Aqualad um, reaches to Red Red Arrow's hideout because um, he knows that Red Arrow has a bunch of backup places. <laughs> when you got a bow and arrow, you better have a bunch of backups. <laughs> um, and Red Arrow is waiting for them. And I this line right here, oh man, it's um, because Red Arrow doesn't know who to trust at this point. He asks Aqualad, "Please tell me something that on- that only Aqualad would know." And I'll trust you. And Aqualad, to his credit, is like, I'm not going to jump you. I just need to know what's going on. And when Aqualad needs to say something personal, he says, um, who broke your heart? And Aqualad says, Tula broke his heart by running off with his best friend while his other friend points an arrow at his chest. Oh, <sighs> man. Ugh, man. This is this is a hero, man. This is this mm-hmm. is a true hero. So this is at the point where we get more insight into what exactly is going on, because that that's enough to win my trust, even if I didn't know this dude. <laughs> and it it turns out that Red Arrow was he was programmed. Yeah. Like like you said, he was programmed to that point 
to obey, but they cleverly sneak in a flashback where he's interacting with Sportsmaster and Sportsmaster says the phrase broken arrow. And even though from our perspective at the time where it just got away, we then see that Sportsmaster actually gave him additional mission directives while he was under the control of broken arrow and has presumably been doing so throughout the season. And now how does that connect to everything else that's going on? Well, Starotech is the answer. Yes. So the thing you were talking about, the um, the bio macro magi tech thingamajig, um, it's a lot like what's happening with this Cadmus infiltration. They do they do indicate the stark differences. Um, they said they mentioned how with the Cadmus programming, it is more built into your system. So like what was happening with Superboy, but more so with Red Arrow, there was no way that he could really kind of shake out of it until he completed his mission, which was to infiltrate the League, find a way to take them down. And when the new team came up with the the team of our young heroes here, it was to, because they knew that there was going to be a point in which all this information being shared with the villains is going to be discovered it was to point blame as superboy miss martian and artemis as the mole suspects because they were the newer members of the team so they shared that with the star tech now um this is this alien organism so back during our downside episode back where um aqualad went home it was that being that we saw it from DC comic fans. We know this as the giant star. We saw it in the suicide squad that unfortunately took out polka dot man. Um, <laughs> and, but in this case, they were able to grab a piece of it and use its mind manipulation technology to take over the league. Fortunately, they do know that there's a way to, um, um, to break out of it because it just reprogrammed the mind in order to suit Spandle Savage's needs. But it's only through like a epidermal connection. So basically, if it touches your body, you'll be affected. But if for the case of what happened with Red Tornado, by taking his consciousness and putting it into another body, that was how they were able to break the control. And I also want to say real quick, I do love a good science fact. So uh, I don't know if this is actually true, but Red Tornado, being the fact that he is an android, um, when he first encountered the Starotech and it connected with his body, he knew that it was going to be 0.16 nanoseconds before it completely subverted his system. So what he did was was create a failsafe subroutine that if he tried to give the Starotech to another individual, it would completely shut down his system. So shout out to Red Tornado for showing us that science can save the day. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, uh, this did remind me of Hel- Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, where it's revealed that Reverse Flash survived being mm. shot in the head mm. by fi- like going into the Speed Force at the last second, and he was slowly dying. Yeah, uh, yeah I love that kind of twist, too. It reminded me of the same thing, only much better that this happened. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so the two teams eventually link up. And Rory reveals that when McGann offers to remove any programming and asks why he wasn't affected by Starotech, Rory says, my mind was completely clear when it was done. And the only reason I wasn't infected is because (laughs) Vandal Savage took a second to bask in his win and (laughs) completely dropped the, fumbled the bag on it. Um, 
never have big vandal energy that's what i'll say <laughs> yeah there, never there is such a thing as too much yes <laughs> so the team now is like okay we gotta strike back we gotta get at it so they send in black canary red tornado and red arrow all say, pretending to be taken over by Starotech. But Savage immediately sees through the ruse, and it's revealed that on the control is Clarion's on the controls, and he's manipulating everyone, and he can see which um, which chips are on, who's online and who's not. So they reinfect the trio, um, and Savage also reveals that he studied every mind control method possible because... The whole reason for all of this, while he's also basking again, the all the whole reason for all of this work was because he thought the League, the Justice League, saving everybody was making humankind too soft, too weak. He thought, you know, he's been alive for I don't know how many years, so he's seen how humankind's evolved due to struggle. So in his mind, if the Justice League solves all these problems, humankind won't be pushed to advance for itself, which is honestly a really interesting uh, villain motivation to have. Mm-hmm. Is he, He's absolutely a thousand percent, million percent wrong because I would love <laughs> if Batman would swing through the Brooklyn. But um, I do I do like the logic behind all of this mind control free will stuff. Yeah, I agree. I love that um, that villain reasoning because I think it's, it's it's a fresh take on on what we've heard in the past a lot of people just want power a lot of people want to restart the world um sometimes in their own image, image once again for power or like um Rachel Ghoul who just sees humanity as a cancer on earth itself he's like the the agro greenpeace person but i do love this like mindset that's just like because of the fact that we have heroes um and superhuman beings of that caliber we are hindering the rest of um, life. Um, it's something actually I'm going to bring up a little bit in our comic book section. But, you know, as once again, Vandal is gloating over this thing. But fortunately, um, we learned that the team in to counter Starotech developed CureTech. And it is much like the Starotech. They were able to, in a nice callback, um, say that it was built by a lot of the... Um, the same scientists and people they've crossed paths with over the season, including um, Dr. Roquette from our Infiltrators episode. So this thing, once again, as soon as it touches somebody's um, body, it also affects them, breaks them of mind control and works as a vaccine. Um, because once you get once you get cure tech, you can never be affected by Starotech ever again. So shout out to vaccines because uh, <laughs> this shit's work. <laughs> Yeah, um, I do love like just the the overly complicated explanation to just say, "Hey, shut up. It happened." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so the team comes in, it is now a full-on battle for the watchtower here as we immediately see that Plastic Man, Adam, Captain Adam and Hawkman are taken down uh and they are also cured. Black Canary, Red Arrow, Red Tornado are also joining into the fight. And this is where uh, Vandal Savage decides to call in the big guns as we see that the the OG-7 or so um, come in. We do see Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Hal, um, Green Lantern, Jon Stewart, Hawkwoman, and Mar- Martian Manhunter. Uh, it's a full-on battle. Some creepy things happen as well as 
um, we see like these big guns like take out Roy's bow. Um, hashtag broken arrow <laughs> once again. <laughs> again, Red Tornado. I don't think he's meant to have limbs, man. Like they done <laughs> took this man's legs again. <laughs> Yeah, they, he needs to build them out of something more than paper mache. I also want to take a note to say Canary takes Hawk Woman's mace to the face mm-hmm. and is fine. She like, ain't I hear no bell. Yeah, I guess so. Like, what are her metahuman abilities again? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, a sonic cry and just like able to go through your stuff. <laughs> I guess so. Um, also, I love in this uh, sequence as they're running around trying to cure as many people as possible. They do mention it does take a minute for people to reboot. So they're not the heroes are not going to be able to jump in. It's a great mm-hmm. setting. And Zatanna also tries after knocking out Dr. Fate, tries to see if she can use magic to remove the helmet, but it doesn't work. So she does have a sad moment where she again reflects on the father she lost in the middle of this already crazy battle. And then and that and that line, though, I will say was yeah. really good where she says, I I'm able to save fate from my father, but I can't save my father from fate. Mm. You know, that's just deep. Like in this context, we know exactly what she means. But man, if that was on a if that was a tweet, I think I think that would have gotten at least like three retweets. <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least. Maybe four. Let's <laughs> let's let's be generous. Yeah, the post oh. at 6 a.m. Yeah. And after some of the team tries to open the cargo bay doors to space just to knock out three of the heroes. Not the best strategy, I don't think. Um, I feel like there was at least one other option. Now we focus on the big three. So Rocket is putting in work taking down Wonder Woman. She has a kinetic bubble around Wonder Woman that allows her to reflect the kinetic energy, making the bubble essentially stronger the more Wonder Woman tries to punch through. And that strategy eventually works. We also get, sorry, I didn't, I, I did say big three, but I have to Martian Manhunter because mm, McGann tries mm-hmm. to sneak up on him. But this man reverses his whole body, catches her with his hands through his back. And it seems like it's, it's over. But uh, Megan uses her white Martian form to get the advantage, the mental advantage he thinks he's burning in his mind. She apologizes for that by freeing him from control. And now it's just Superman and Batman to worry about. Two easy ones. Yeah. And uh, and the and their contenders are Robin and Superboy. So it's the world's finest versus the world's youngest. As and I, oh, wow, I actually mean that literally because Robin's 13 <laughs> and Superboy is like two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during this battle, it is um, Batman and Robin are facing off against each other. And dang, Batman kind of gave Robin the work. I think at one point he wasn't even using his hands to even fight. Uh, <laughs> Superman is easily taking down Superboy. Um, this prompts for our younger duo here to orchestrate the move that was probably made famous from uh, Superman Batman public enemies as they call for checkmates as the two of them decide to team up together to take down both heroes at the same time which they easily do thankfully because um, Superboy pulls the fastball special to hit to throw Robin right into Batman gives um, Robin the opportunity to hit him with the Kuro tech and Superman is grabbed by Superboy and Superman can't escape. So this is where Robin 
decides to unleash the most dangerous arsenal in his utility belt. And we're not talking about the shark repellent. Um, <laughs> he takes out a piece of kryptonite and we see that it does affect Superboy as well as the two Kryptonians collapse and gives Robin an opportunity to hit Superman with the star with the Kuro tech. And right as those two are cured, Vandal Savage looks around and says, mm, I'm good. I'm good for the day. I've done enough. And I do like there's a quick exchange between him and Clarion saying we could probably overpower them, right? And he goes, Savage is like, yeah, but we probably destroy the space station, which is not ideal. Also, we need the Justice League alive for phase two. So this isn't even the master plan, guys. Mm -hmm. This wasn't even the end of it. This was a Tuesday. Yeah. This is, he is just getting warmed up. But while we wait to see what that is, we get one happy moment where Red Tornado congratulates the team and they realize it's New Year's. So this prompts everyone to get their New Year's kisses. Of course, McGann and Superboy. Kid Flash says he should have done this a long time ago and scoops up Artemis. Robin, Zatanna pulls in Robin. My boy, my boy Robin. My boy. Throw it up so quick. <laughs> and even Rocket lays one on Aqualad, which prompts Red Tornado to go, I don't understand human culture. Uh, <laughs> me either, because who needs a kiss at New Year's, right? <laughs> um, anyway, oh. <laughs> uh, this scene, this heartwarming scene also includes the moment where Superman goes up to Connor, not looking at him as a stranger or an enemy. He just asks his name. And then upon finding out it's Connor Kent, he says it's so fitting. And essentially, he you know expresses his pride and joy that Connor Kent is still around. And so finally, the two have a wholesome moment. It's sweet. You know, this is a great way to end this season. Um, but we still have some more runtime as we take a step into the watchtower where full some league members that are OG7 are having a conversation with um, Red Arrow, who Red Arrow is... Upon learning more about himself, he vows to find the real Roy Harper, which um, we do see a dark look over Green Arrow's face. At this time, Batman tells him that Guardian is already searching Cadmus for um, Roy's real body. However, uh, it does seem that Guardian is also under the control of the light because we jump over to Cadmus where everything is basically destroyed and Lex Luthor and Rachel Ghoul are just like cleaning house. They are having their team take away uh, Superboy's match, the uh, match project. And we also see the original Roy Harper in another tube with a missing hand. So it's probably clear to see that it was probably some struggles back in the day with DNA replication. Yeah. And Every then first we learn... you don't succeed. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally we learn... Um, we do have a full mission briefing about what happened and everything where Robin is leading. It's pretty cool. Um, they do share that there was another big problem that every single league member has been accounted for during their time in which they were under Starro Tech. However, there are six members of the Justice League who they can't account for their hours. And that those members are Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, and Hawkwoman, all of whom we know were brought into the fight later on. So 
since they are the big guns, this prompts Batman to question, by God, what have we done in those last 16 hours? What a great, what a great cliffhanger. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, now that we've wrapped up our Mount Justice out of a molehill um, segment of the two episodes here, we are going to finally celebrate and relax the new year. But while we do that, uh, here is a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. All right, so from our two episodes here, I... We got it. We always have, to, as always, we have to figure out which one's the most whelmed of the two of the group. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, I don't think I have one this week. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, I, I respect it. I, mm-hmm. I will say, like, again, two very fantastic episodes here. Uh, I, I do slightly like usual suspects a little bit more. Not, <laughs> and, Partially, it's because of the Cure Tech coming out of nowhere in the in all the great. <laughs> but for me, it these both feel these both have that weight of the finale, mm-hmm. and I feel like had the season ended on Usual Suspects and th- those reveals and left the the hero thing as a cliffhanger, it would have been an effective ending. I, I'm so glad they went on and finished the season with the mm-hmm. with that. But I think it could have wrapped up the season because it brought everything full circle so beautifully uh yeah. in that episode um and it would have let let some more threads go but yeah no these are two very great episodes that really pull in everything you've seen across the season the stakes are high you have some great fight scenes um some really good strong character characterization and and yeah like a satis- even the couples are good to satisfying mm-hmm ending so it really did seeing this make me want more young justice when i first watched it and honestly again i now i wanted to like in the current times <laughs> rewatching it i want to i still want to keep going because it's such a great ending to this first season yeah i agree in fact um to be honest as soon as it ended i actually started watching the first couple of minutes of the season <laughs> <laughs> oh wow damn yeah well it wasn't my fault it kind of it you know you're watching the credits and just leaning back and we're just like damn that was good and then you realize that hbo max's little circle of next episode kind of completed really quickly <laughs> hashtag not sponsored uh so i do have one question for us though do you think the reveal of Roy being the mole. Was that Walming? What do you think? I, I think it was a really cool reveal. Um, and I'm biased as hell because I know how how much they capitalize on this later. So mm-hmm. I, I do have some bias of like I know it gets even deeper. But no, I do I do like um that it Roy was the one who was so ambitious, so on the mole, and there were yeah. so many legitimate options. And all those of 
McGann, Superboy, and Artemis were all really great options of moles. So it was a great setup because you get trader plot lines all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, this reveal and how it connects to, if we're just talking about even the finale, how this reveal um, affects the finale and allows them to win in the end, the way he became the mole, is much better than anything, any explanation they could have come up with Superboy if it would have just been like, here's some random programming, or yeah. McGann with a Martian mission, or Artemis is really a traitor. This one really did feel like you couldn't have seen it coming. And yeah, it just sets up so many good things that come later. So I, I was I was very, very whelmed, very happy with how they they did this. Yeah, I am I was also whelmed by this because um as I like sat down and watched that uh second episode, especially as Roy was giving his run through of the events of like how he found out he became he was the mole like the cold phrase you know the the way they introduced red sun so late in the game that we were just like oh this has to be only a superboy related thing even having the red sun connection to superman content but like broken arrow is just so connected to roy as well um so just having that cold phrase there also in back in even our first episode the fact that you know we were talking about um how cadmus was able to create superboy and that was from like a strain of like hair that they found from superman during one fight or sorry stolen hair from superman during one fight and we never actually questioned like how long did cadmus actually have the capability to create clones because they were really quick to be able to try to (laughs) do the cloning of super of um kid flash robin and aqualad back in our very first episode Meaning that they must have known the exact procedure, the exact utilities that they needed, and the process to a T in order to like do that. And that was just with humans. We they were trying to replicate that from Superboy, who was Kryptonian. And it's just like obviously you had to try it on, you know, sad to say, but they had to probably had to try it on some humans first, which means that there is a possibility that there's somebody out there that they were that they were able to create and put into society and have that work out well. Yeah, and it also like opened up the door for like how many more? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's ah, it's good. It's such a such a good story. Also, I think it's also a nice little comedic callback. We were questioning back when um Kent Nelson went missing for a good couple of weeks. How long does it take the league to figure out how long their friends <laughs> have gone missing? Again, uh, apparently Roy was kidnapped as soon as he started out teaming up with Green Arrow. So like. Green Arrow, how long did you lose this child for that you were just you were just okay that he came back? I also have to point out um, a great line at the beginning before we find out the twist. When he gets in the league, they're like, hey, are you ready to join the league, Roy? And he says, I've been born ready plus six months. Mm-hmm. And yep. Mm-mm. Yeah, you were. You were. You were literally born to be in the Justice League. Um, so <laughs> it's a it's a great it's a great line. It's a great line. Uh, it works out and it and it works out too because like even as I was watching through this, I was just like I had my same emotions about Roy, but like, oh, I just don't like this guy. And they did his characterization to a T where it's just like you don't want to like him, but you know he has to be a part of it in some way, shape, or form. So now here's a moment where it's just like, I don't like him, but I guess I have to feel sorry for him because I know what happened. Like this is not his fault in any way, shape, or form. Um, it just so happened that unfortunately he got he just had to be the mole. Um, he had to be the betrayer. 
And that leads into today's set of comic book knowledge, where um, once again, our Young Justice comic books are going to be starting up soon with the beginning of season two, um, because we will be experiencing a five-year time jump between <laughs> season one and two. And that, that did not happen in real time. This this was not part of the reason why it took so long to get four seasons of Young Justice. <laughs> Um, so season two will start back up with the comics. However, today I do want to talk about um, some of the greatest or most shocking betrayals in comic book DC history. All right, um, let's go. Top, top 10 shocking anime betrayals of all time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got, you know, coming in, of course, they had to make the list uh, Judas contract. So, you know, this has been adapted at least three times i think by now we two of which have been um animated with the teen titan series the teen titan Judas contract movie that we've covered and i think they've done some kind of i want to say live action somewhere i'm I'm forgetting right now where oh uh titans oh yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i see why you forgot So that is always going to be a big one, the most iconic and famous one out of DC history. Uh, next up on our list is the betrayal of Aquaman, where um, we've also talked about this movie as well. But in the comic, it's explained in more detail, where when Aquaman is first connected with the Justice League back in the New 52 run uh, in the Throne of Atlantis storyline, when Atlantis started the war against the surface world, Aquaman chose to side with Atlantis. Well, you know, it's wet, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know what the, there are other advantages, I assume. <laughs> um, yeah, there, it was it was weird. I think it was just because it was just like he's trying to build his connection. His also as we as a reminder for um people that um that storyline dealt with the fact that Aquaman actually developed the plans, the battle plans to attack the surface world, and they were being used by his brother Prince Orm, who was orchestrating as Ocean Master. So that was he was just siding with Atlantis to try to figure out figure out some things, but the fact that he chose Atlantis versus the Justice League still still might harm some people. <laughs> Next up is Identity Crisis. This is the seven-part story from 2004 written by Brad Metzler. Um, there's just so many betrayals in this one. <laughs> A lot of which, some make sense, some of which I'm just like, might still cause some confusion. Um, and a big player in this one was Zatanna. So at this point, Zatanna is much older than her young Justice counterpart here in this series. Um, She's a full member of the Justice League. During the events of this, we find out that um, Sue Dipney, the wife of the elongated man, Ralph Dipney, so our Flash fans, you'll know these individuals. uh, Sue Dipney was unfortunately killed in the Watchtower. And this leads into a full-on onslaught to try and see if they can find her killer, who elongated man believes to be Dr. Light. Um, Dr. Light apparently in one comic book story sometime back in the day uh, was able to infiltrate the Justice League headquarters and attacked Sue Dibney um, for the sake of just making sure to avoid any kind of uh, content warnings. I would just say attacked for now. Mm -hmm. Um, This 
led into a full-on reveal that apparently they were able to catch Dr. Light, beat him to a pulp a little bit, and then to make sure that Dr. Light didn't reveal the secret location of the Justice League headquarters, they had Zatanna use her magical abilities to mess around in Dr. Light's mind so that he didn't remember also to take away his more aggressive villainy nature. So when this once this whole situation with um Sue's death was discovered and it was also discovered that Dr. Light had nothing to do with it. In fact, it was in a WTF moment in comments, it was the ex-wife of the Adam who killed Sue Dibney in an effort to try to see if she could get her and Adam back together. This is where we learn that Zatanna has also played around with the minds of Catwoman and Batman. Oh, that's a no-no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so during the moments in which um, she was messing around with Dr. Light's mind, Batman jumped in and saw what was happening and tried to stop them. The rest of the heroes that were there, which included like Green Arrow, Elongated Man, Black Canary, um, Flash, they all were able to stop Batman from attacking Zatanna. And this gave Zatanna an opportunity to mess around and move and remove the memory of that moment happening from Batman's memory. Donna, you need to not mess around with people's minds so much. <laughs> and when I mentioned Catwoman, she was the one that messed around with Catwoman's mind. So back in the day, we know it was known that Catwoman was a villain. She's the one that caused that turned Catwoman into an anti-hero um, by giving her a purpose to be heroic. And when Catwoman found this out, she straight up took the town and threw her out the window and started whipping her with her with her um her Catwoman whip. <laughs> I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this betrayal though from Zatanna did put a mark in between the, her and Batman's relationship because they were good friends. They actually grew up together. Um, so because of that, Batman can never trust Zatanna ever again. So that was one pretty big story. <laughs> uh, then of course we have some other big famous ones uh, we partially covered in a bunch of other episodes such as batman betraying the justice league from the tower of babel story where he creates files and techniques in order to take down the justice league one by one which was covered in our justice league doom um also another big one was when hal kills and steals the rings of many green lanterns to become the godlike villain parallax after coast city was destroyed during the events of the death and return of superman so um when the guardians denied him from being able to recreate his city after it was completely destroyed by a bomb during these um during these uh the death and the return of superman story arc uh hal went crazy took killed a bunch of green lanterns took the rings and we see that kind of play out a little bit actually in our green lantern beware of my power film where we do get introduced to hal as parallax where we do see him rocking the rings like j-lo pre ben affleck <laughs> And finally, we have the one portrayal that I like for a particular reason, because I think that, um, you know, I'm just going to talk about it because you'll see, I'll mention (laughs) it right here. This portrayal is considered by some comic book experts as the end of the Silver Age of comics. So back in the 60s, uh, the Justice League of America, I had a mascot by the name of Snapper Carr. And people hated it. People got super annoyed with him after a while because he was this like young kid. He used to, whenever he was like really excited about something, he used to snap, hence, hence the name. 
Uh, so Dennis O'Neill, a famous writer in DC history, has done some stuff for Batman. Um, once he got the, the chance to write for the Justice League of America comics, he decided to finally get rid of this guy. <laughs> and that led to the 1969 Justice League of America number 77 issue, Snapper Car, Super Trader. Okay, it's very on the nose on what the goal was. This man had a hit piece on Snapper Car. (laughs) So, there in this comic, they reveal that people started putting together that Snapper was cool with the Justice League. So, one day he starts getting attacked by this group of people, but he gets saved by this guy named John Doe. Uh, that is D O U G H, not uh, yes, (laughs) um. Doe tells him that he is the most normal man ever. And he is on a campaign to make America normal again by getting rid of all the superhuman beings. And this causes Snapper to swing over to his cause. Okay. Yeah. So Snapper has like a distress signal that he has connected to the Justice League. So he sets it off. And Green Arrow and Black Canary are in their um, are in Justice League headquarters. So they send Batman and the Atom to go and investigate. This is where we see that Snapper grabs some knockout gas and knocks out Batman. He also knocks out the Atom, while John Doe, using his own like Batman bat suit, goes out to impersonate Batman. Snapper shares with Doe all the information about how to get into the Justice League headquarters. So this is where he comes face to face with Green Arrow and Black Canary, who he doesn't recognize Black Canary because at this point Black Canary isn't a official member of the um, of the Justice League yet, or hasn't been revealed to the public yet as an official member. So Doe Batman invites him to a rally where he's like held by John Doe. He's holding out these tickets, and in these tickets are actually micro trips that, upon giving them to all the members of the Justice League. Once they arrive, it causes them to go berserk and attack the crowd. Okay. Because Black Canary didn't get one because of the fact that she didn't, he, Dondo didn't know that she was a member of the Justice League. Uh, she's able to stop the League from attacking too many people. She's able to break them free of their mind control. Unfortunately, though, um, Doe is able to escape. And this is where he makes another plan to try and see if he can rally every... Um, his some members of the Justice League that's still under control to overthrow the government. The okay, real no. bat. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like yeah, now. Now this is sounding like Young Justice. <laughs> the real Batman is able to break free. He goes finally unmasked Doe Batman, and this is where they're thinking everything is cool. Snapper decides that he wants to resign as being connected with the League. He doesn't want to be around them anymore because he fully believes in the Mana Cause now. Um. And then later on, when the League heads over to their HQ, they're met by Doe, who attacks them with a bunch of kryptonite guns and bombs. And once they finally are able to take down Joe Doe, the most normal man ever, Batman is able to pull off the mask and it's revealed that John Doe is actually the Joker who orchestrated everything to get rid of Snapper Carr and to infiltrate the Justice League headquarters, which causes the Justice League to try to um, decide that it's time for them to move their headquarters. Well, I guess one good thing came out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I'm glad you brought up that it sounds a lot like Young Justice, because do you remember the, do you remember what Batman told 
the team when he first introduced them to Young Justice to, to Mount Justice. Oh, right. They had to decommission it because uh, it got infiltrated. Yes, it's full circle, baby. That is the story that inspired the reason, the home base of Mount of the team of Mount Justice. Look, maybe I just need to not let people hang out. You know, <laughs> don't don't hang out with normals anymore. We're <laughs> hang out with the cool people, man. <laughs> well, that's it. Those are some of the biggest betrayals in um, DC history. Uh, I especially love that one just because um, you know when you have a name like John Doe. I'm I'm surprised you even trust him. <laughs> and with that, that wraps up um season one of Young Justice, our coverage of it. We'll be back next week, starting with season two of Young Justice with a subtitle Invasion, because um, as we mentioned, is a five-year time jump. Things have happened. We're gonna find out all of it, and you're gonna be joining us joining us along for the ride. <laughs> all right. Well, and that well, with that. Take care of yourselves and remember to do your daily affirmations. Um, channel your big Chester energy. Um, and when you do your daily affirmations, try throwing in some random phrases just to make sure you're not being mind controlled. And if you're an android made to control the wind, maybe secure your limbs with something stronger than duct tape. Yeah, Just a thought. Because <laughs> maybe some paper clips, Gorilla Glue, wait for that one lady with the hair. Like, maybe, maybe that'll help. Oh my you. gosh, we can't talk about her no more. <laughs> <laughs>